0: This is Vibing Well with Dr. Stacy. I am a traditional naturopath who specializes in functional medicine and a holistic approach to healing. I'm taking all of your questions and giving you my advice on how to balance the body, promote a healing mindset, and rediscover your most natural state, which is health and vitality. Thank you so much for joining me, and let's get to your questions. Hello and welcome everybody. I'm so excited to be able to answer your questions in a little bit more of a broad audience. Um, So thank you so much for taking the time to send them in for me. Today we're going to go over the root cause of cavities, why fluoride is considered bad, and why do symptoms persist on a T4-only thyroid medication. So I want to first delve into this on the whole oral health topic, because fluoride and the root cause of cavities are so highly integrated. So let's first look at fluoride and what does it do to the body systemically. So as you know, fluoride is added into almost 90% of our tap water now. It's been slowly increasing since about the late 1940s. And we are kind of taking um, a step back with the influx in studies and research that's coming out, wondering if that was really the best idea, um, because we're now we're seeing all these after effects of being that exposed for that long to something of this nature. So why is it so bad that it's added to our water supply? Well, essentially, when something like that is a added to something that you're taking in consistently all day every day, you really can't control the level of exposure. And when something is safe in a small dose, and is approved by things like the CDC and EPA, they're not really taking into consideration what it does to the body long term, and also what it does to the body when it accumulates. And that's what halogens tend to do in the body. So Fluoride is a halogen. We're going to talk a little bit bit about that in a minute, but let's just talk about some of the things that we have found in studies of the negative effects of fluoride to the body systemically. So there is evidence across the board that directly links fluoride consumption to lowering IQ. We know that it has neurotoxic effects. It messes with the brain repair and regeneration processes in the body. It affects your likelihood to get arthritis. It also has an epigenetic effect on neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's. It is going to predispose people to what's called fluoridosis, which is basically when they are just having a toxicity of fluoride exposure. You get those white spots on your teeth when this is happening to you. Bone density issues, we're gonna talk about why that happens when we talk about fluoride and calcium osteosarcomas and other bone cancers, pineal gland calcification, and this is where your melatonin and your circadian rhythm is regulated, thyroid conditions, and then of course breast cancer and it is directly linked to infertility because it lowers sperm count. So let's break down some of these things. Why are halogens bad mineral, on a mineral level? So we know that when the body is attracted to something, we need things like um, calcium and iodine and things like that. Those are the two we're going to discuss right now. The body, when halogens are in your system, the body's going to be more magnetically drawn to those. So in the instance of calcium, fluoride is going to compete with calcium at the receptor site. So it's basically going to, your body's going to grab fluoride in the cells instead of calcium, and that's going to lead to further decay and further tissue damage. The same with a thyroid, instead of iodine, the body's going to reach for that fluoride and other halogens like chlorine and bromine, and it's going to basically displace the iodine. This is where your conversion of active thyroid takes place. The one thing to realize is biological dentists do not use fluoride. We are, they are taking in all this information. They've been changing things for years. So, you know, we're kind of still stuck in this conventional mindset um but there are a lot of dentists and i will post a link to a directory where you can find one in your area there are a lot of dentists that understand the neurotoxic effects they understand that maybe doing really invasive dental treatments are not in our best interest and they were gonna do things like use ozone therapy they're gonna help you come up with ways to remineralize the teeth and that sort of thing and save teeth as much as possible because as we know, our teeth are connected to nerves, which are connected to the rest of the organs and systems in our body. So it's really going to be in your best interest to look up that directory and find a biological dentist and understand the risk of fluoride and talk about some of your concerns. And you know, if you do have decay and that sort of thing, talk about ways to remineralize the teeth. We're going to go over a few of those next as we get into the root cause of cavities, which as a reminder, the root cause of cavities is not a fluoride deficiency. And we're seeing that maybe even the fluoride addition is adding to tooth decay as it's displacing calcium in the body. So when we talk about cavities, um, we have to understand that our teeth and our tooth health is definitely on the decline. It has been. Anthropologists have been studying um, our teeth and patterns and things like that. Our Paleolithic ancestors did not have the amount of decay that we have now. So what has changed? So we know that we are in an influx of processed foods, we are an influx of refined sugar, Um, we are over and over prescribing antibiotics that's affecting the oral microbiome, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But one of the biggest things is that we are having this epidemic of fat soluble vitamin deficiencies. So we know that we're taking gallbladders out like it's nobody's business. We had the low-fat diet craze in the past, you know, from the 80s on. We've been adding sugar instead of fat. All these things are slowly increasing why we have tooth decay, why we have nutrient um, deficiencies. So let's talk about why fat-soluble vitamins are so important when it comes to tooth health. Vitamin D is needed for calcium absorption and regulation. We already talked about how fluoride competes with that, but we really, really need that vitamin D to get in there and assimilate it. And so we are not in the sun as much as we used to. We are really kind of bound to our homes, our offices. You know, we're not really getting that sunlight exposure. And when the body is vitamin D deficient, it's going to, in this beautiful compensatory type action, start stripping minerals um, to conserve itself. So the body is going to find a way for you to get what you need. But we have to replenish that vitamin D and the other fat soluble vitamins to help things like bone and teeth, you know, longevity. So when you take a vitamin D supplement, you have to understand you need more than just a supplement because it has to be activated. So we already talked about sunshine, so important in activation of vitamin D, but also things like vitamin K2, and then of course, magnesium, which is kind of like the catalyst when it comes to activating those fat soluble vitamins. Some ways that we can kind of work on um, getting those fat soluble vitamins, that kind of storage a little bit higher. Um, things like desiccated liver capsules are going to be in your best bet. We don't really eat liver like we used to, um, cod liver oil, because it contains that vitamin A that's really needed to work synergistically with vitamin D. And then of course, a magnesium complex, which I really, I love for everybody because we all need magnesium. We are just in a magnesium deficient society right now because of the high stress, the liver stagnation the gut issues that we're having so a, a magnesium complex is going to be your best bet because it's going to give you all those strains of magnesium so they can do their different things that they're supposed to do in the body um, rather than just honing in on one specific type of magnesium um, as far as the other root cause of cavities is an imbalance in the oral microbiome So we know that the gut has a microbiome. We talk about that. We're learning more and more about how that's connected to the other parts of the body, the neurotransmitters and that sort of thing. But we don't really talk much about the oral microbiome. And this is really destroyed with things like processed foods, carbonated beverages, refined sugar consumption, and like we talked about, the overuse of antibiotics, This is directly going to lead to nutrient deficiencies like we talked about, vitamin D, things like phosphorus, calcium, and magnesium that are needed for that bone and tooth health. So how do we balance the oral microbiome? Well, we talked about finding a biological dentist. They're going to use things like like ozone therapy to help with some of those microbes and bacteria that shouldn't be there in your mouth, eating a whole foods diet. So limiting refined foods, refined sugars is going to be key here. Using filtered water with the system like Berkey, I will link to that in my show notes. Doing ozone um, treatment at home, you can buy ozonated oil where you can do oil pulling. Um, There's a company called puro 3 that has a great product for that. Uh, I also like using a water pick with some food grade hydrogen peroxide and some distilled water. It really helps get in between your teeth and get some of those microbes out. Tongue scraping is something that's been around for thousands of years. That will also help kind of scrape off some of the dead cells on your tongue and really keep your mouth nice and healthy. Um, An oral probiotic. Denticyden, which is a product of Biocidin, one of my favorite companies, that is going to be a really nice antimicrobial mouth rinse you can use. Things like bone broth, that natural form of collagen to help kind of restore the teeth. Cod liver oil, we talked about that. Vitamin D supplement with its activator of sunshine or vitamin K2. And then once again, the liver capsules, um, unless you're going to eat liver, which is even better. I hope that gave you a little bit of insight into oral health and how to kind of maintain that oral microbiome. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about the root cause of allergies and kind of what we do functionally to kind of deal with the issues and what might be some ways that we can look into what is actually causing them and causing that chronic response. So when we talk about Allergies, we're going to think food allergies, environmental allergies, and seasonal allergies. Conventional treatment is going to be either an antihistamine or a steroid. I want you to understand that long term effects of either of those two is going to have detrimental effects um, later in your health because when you're blocking a natural process like a histamine response or even a cortisol response, then you're, you're going to inhibit something else down the road. So it's going to make your body even, have an even harder time to have that compensatory mechanism. Or you're going to do things like deplete the body of cortisol because of uh, overuse of steroids. And when the body doesn't have cortisol, you lose that natural anti-inflammatory agent and you really lose your energy. You need cortisol to get up and moving in the morning. It's supposed to stay high in the morning and then slowly taper off through the day. That's why we have a lot of insomnia issues and things like that because our cortisol rhythm is completely out of whack. So those are all can be all related if you are overusing steroids for your allergy treatment. And the same thing with histamine, you have to understand a histamine is a liver issue. It's often an estrogen issue. So these things are all connected to other things. So taking antihistamines or taking steroids over a long period of time is really just going to kind of be more of a burden on the body long term. So the actual root cause of allergies are going to be linked to gut health and liver stagnation. We know both of these cause inflammation. They both trigger cytokine responses and they re-release histamines. And this puts us in what's called a TH2 dominance situation. Really quick, go over TH1 and TH2 immunity. The body has both, it needs both, and they balance each other out. When you have TH1 immunity, that is going to be your fast-acting type of immunity Think of bacteria, viruses, that sort of thing. When you have Th2, this is going to be more of your long term type um, effects. So, allergies, toxins, think about more antigens, antibodies being made with the Th2. So, when you have something like chronic allergies, you're thinking about the body being in what's called a Th2 dominant situation. So in order to get out of that, you have to support the other pathway, which is TH1. So lowering overall inflammation, um, lowering the histamine-containing foods is going to be one of the first things you can do. Also, any other sort of triggering foods like gluten, dairy, eggs are going to be the top offenders. And then also, as far as histamines go, anything that's fermented or aged- Those are all going to promote histamine responses in the body. And especially alcohol, you really cannot heal from a histamine issue, an allergy issue without um, stopping alcohol consumption. It just has to happen. So um, we're going to support this TH1 pathway by doing things like adding in omega-3, vitamin D, quercetin, stinging nettles, vitamin C, and dehist. I'm going to link to these in my show notes. I do have a protocol for allergy support. Um, on WellEvate. So I'm going to put those in there. So let's talk about the role that the gut has when it comes to allergies and these histamine responses. So oftentimes when we have a situation where we have a leaky gut or intestinal dysbiosis, our microbiome's off those are going to trigger a immune response in the body. And how that kind of works just in general, when you have a leaky gut, basically your junctions in your gut lining are opened up either by stress or gut pathogens or fermentation, other things like that. And the proteins from your food actually leak out into your bloodstream. So the cytokines rush to the scene. They're trying to help. Um, But basically it's until you get in there and, heal the gut lining and and avoid the things that are causing this situation, you're going to have that once again, perpetual immune response. So that's going to trigger a lot of histamines in, in people and a lot of food sensitivities. So um, things like H. pylori, candida, having low stomach acid, having parasites, those are all going to put you in a situation where you're going to be more prone to have some dysbiosis, really important to test and if, especially if you have allergies. Look at the gut health through an organic acid test or a GI map test. I'm going to link to those as well in my show notes. Um, But doing, kind of finding out what you're up against, doing a gut healing protocol. I really like, like we mentioned, a low histamine diet, maybe autoimmune uh, paleo type diet while supporting the inflammation that's going on. Um, a weed seed and refeed type of protocol for the gut is gonna be really key here. And then strategically placing in probiotics after you've kind of weeded out a lot of the bad pathogens and bacteria and that sort of thing, adding those probiotics in after the fact to kind of balance out the microbiome is gonna be key. So now we're going to look at the other aspect of what I consider to be the root cause of allergies, and that's liver health. So when you're thinking about liver health, we're, we need to look at the overall toxin load that we're exposed to. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, my liver enzymes are fine. You know, it's, it's not a liver issue, but you have to understand that liver enzymes look at... What might be a state of disease. They're not going to look at liver stagnation. It's not going to look at drainage and that sort of thing. It's only going to really let you know there's a problem when it's a little bit past maybe just a stagnation issue. um, Then we're looking at more of a dis-ease type situation. So we have to really consider what is coming in through our food supply, our water supply, what is maybe in the air of our home, what we're putting on our body, all of these chemicals add up to what's called our overall toxin load. And when our toxin bucket gets full, our liver starts to get stagnated because it cannot properly detox from all these chemicals and everything that we're taking in. And we're in an environment where we have almost over 200,000 man-made chemicals, something we didn't have thousands of years ago. So you really have to make detoxing. A daily habit because we are just chronically exposed. So, look to things like pesticides in your food. Look to things like we talked about, fluoride and, you know, pharmaceuticals that are added in the water, heavy metals. Um, Look at chemicals in your cleaning supply, uh, your beauty products. Um, You know, everything that we are, we smell. So, fragrances are really bad at um, just adding in. A lot of people, when they have liver issues, are really, really sensitive to strong smells. And that's just because of that um, stagnation type situation. So, so oh, um, maybe mold spores in the home, get a really good HEPA air filter for your home like the air doctor. I'll link that in my show notes as well. Um, so like I said, eating organic whole foods, make sure you're filtering your water Um, all those things are going to really help with that overall toxin load. So just be really cognizant of your daily exposure when it comes to liver health. And you can do things to support your liver in the meantime. I love liver sauce. I love B vitamins, um, things like that to really milk thistle to help support the liver while you're detoxifying it. And that's going to kind of be the next step is doing a really good, well-rounded liver detoxification with a practitioner, um, to make sure that your liver is working properly, draining properly, working on drainage by a liver area, working on making sure your colon pathway is, you know, up to speed. All these things are really important when it comes to overall liver health. You have to look at the whole body as a system. So some other things that are going to help with these histamine responses, these allergy responses are things like focus on quality sleep. This is when the body detoxifies and rebuilds. It helps with cortisol. It helps manage blood sugar. And then overall inflammation. That's what we're trying to lower is overall inflammation. So stress management is another huge one. We know that stress itself can lead to something like leaky gut. So finding time for yourself for mindfulness, meditation, breath work, Exercise, movement, those sort of things, just taking the time, making sure that you are managing your day to day stress, spending time in nature, sunshine, you know, getting that pure air outside, grounding, things like that will help with some of that stress management as well. While you're working on these things and you need some help with the just sudden responses when it comes to allergies, I, I really like things like a colloidal silver nose spray is going to be great. a uh, Propolis spray, that's going to be either a nose or throat spray. Um, Nutty pot rinses. And then, like I said, adapting a low histamine diet that if you can lower the triggers that are, you know, being consumed daily, that's that will help um, right away kind of lower that initial Um, histamine response that you're up against. So this leads us to our very last question for today. This one's a little bit more specific. Um, Someone has written in saying, I'm on T4 only medication, and I'm still struggling with hypothyroid symptoms like fatigue, water retention, and inflammation. So I really like talking about this because I personally was hypothyroidism for over 10 years, and I have a lot of experience personally with kind of dealing and struggling with some of these concerns. And I've been on synthetic, I've been on natural desiccated, and I know the difference and I know, you know, why, and now I know the science behind why um, synthetic doesn't always make you feel better. When you're put on a synthetic medication, understand that a T4-only medication is an inactive form of thyroid that's being put in your body. So unless you're, when you're on a T4 only medication, your practitioner is assuming that your T4 is properly being converted. But the problem here lies that most practitioners are testing TSH only and T4 only. If you're not looking at free levels of T4 and T3, and if you're not looking at reverse T3 levels, you don't know how the thyroid is actually converting or if it, if it is converting that thyroid hormone. It's very important to run a comprehensive panel, especially if you are at the point where you have a thyroid condition. It is super important to make sure you are running a comprehensive ask your doctor to run one for you, at least bare minimum, like we mentioned, run a free T3, free T4, reverse T3, TSH, and then look for antibodies. Bare minimum, those are what you need to look for. And I'll give you an example. Let's just say, what if your reverse T3. What if your T4 is converting instead of an active form of T3 is, re- is converting to what's called reverse T3. And that's building up and building up and building up. Eventually that reverse T3 is going to block T3 at the receptor site. So the active form can't even get in. And that is going to lead to more hypothyroid symptoms because your body's not getting the signal that the active thyroid's coming in because it's being blocked by reverse T3. So I hope that paints a picture as to why looking at just T4, which another thing um, is that T4 only doesn't look at bound and unbound hormone. It's just one level. So you really have to look at free levels to see what's actually bioavailable. So with that being said, I hope that you're understanding why a T4 only medication is not necessarily going to make you feel better or correct a thyroid issue. It's a conversion issue. And a lot of times when there's a thyroid issue, there's an HPA axis issue, and that is really what needs to be addressed. Pumping your body full of thyroid hormone, especially T4 only, is not going to address the root cause of why your thyroid is giving you issues. So if you must be on a thyroid medication, I really like a natural desiccated because what it does is it gives you that T4 and also active form of T3 Come in a combination, so you do have, you know, some active thyroid hormone coming in initially. It's going to start kind of alleviating some of those hypothyroid symptoms, and you're going to start to feel better. Some brands are WP and also Armour Thyroid. Um, I will say that sometimes when people have had their thyroid completely removed, sometimes they do better on synthetic. Not always. You have to listen to your body. You have to be intuitive, but sometimes they do better. And what I find is that you have to still add in that T3, and that's going to be what's called Cytomel. So that's going to be your synthetic version of T3. And that will sometimes help if someone has had their thyroid removed. So it's something to talk to your doctor about. Natural desiccated is what you want to ask for. Sometimes they will be hesitant because they are are not lab, um, you know, synthetic lab created um, they may not be as consistent, but the body fluctuates your thyroid hormone. And so it's going to mimic that natural fluctuation of thyroid when you are on a natural desiccated. I was on one myself for close to 10 years, and I was able to titrate off when I got to the root cause of some of these issues, which were causing my thyroid to be hypo. So let's talk about that. This is what a functional practitioner is going to look for. We're going to look at heavy metals, once again, that HPA axis dysfunction. What's going on from your brain signaling to your adrenals? Um, chronic stress is going to take its toll on the thyroid, so we have to look at stress in the body. Are you over exercising? Are you under eating? Are you too low fat? Are you too low carb? Because when you are don't have those carbs. Basically, you're not cutting cortisol. And then once again, you're going to rate regulate the thyroid. So very important. Once again, looking at gut health, looking at food and water exposure. Are you chronically exposed to halogens? Are they competing with your iodine? And that's why your thyroid is low. Um, Supplementing with things like selenium, iodine and vitamin B6 are going to be key here. I do have a thyroid support protocol I will link for you. And then adaptogens are going to be really great when you recognize, oh, it is HPA axis dysfunction. um, Adding in some adaptogens are going to be really great. Like um, HPA adapt is one of my favorites and also cortisol manager, but run a Dutch before you do that because you really want to see what your cortisol is actually looking like. If you need trouble, you know, if you have trouble sleeping, you need some help. Sometimes it can be good to have some of that cortisol manager at night. Um, I hope that this answered your question and I hope that you understand, um, why it's so important to run a comprehensive panel, especially if you do have thyroid conditions. Um, I really, really appreciate the questions that you all sent in for me. I cannot wait to answer more. So send them to me at vibewellpodcasts at gmail.com. And I will talk to you guys next time. Have a great rest of your day. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my take on all things health and healing. If you do have a question you would like answered on the show, please do email me at vibewellpodcast at gmail.com. That's vibewellpodcast at gmail.com. I will post links in the show notes of anything that was relevant to what we talked about today. But other than that, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Happy healing and I will talk to you next time.